everyone. Welcome to Conversations with the Co-op. This is where we source questions from the Index Co-op community to gain insights from today's leaders in crypto and DeFi. As always, I'm your host, Crypto Texan, and today we have with us Farmwell from Thales. Uh, thanks for being here with us today, Farmwell. Yeah, Crypto Texan, uh, thank you so much for inviting me, and it's a, it's a pleasure to be uh, with you and your community. Yeah, we're, we appreciate it too. We're happy that you're here. First of all, how do you pronounce the name of this protocol? Is it Thales? Is it Thales? Yeah, we're going with Bailey's. Bailey's, okay. Just wanted to get that out of the way. I, I mean, I looked it up online. I saw three different pronunciations, so I, I couldn't figure it out. So Thales, got it. So let's start off with just your story, Farmwell. How did you get into crypto and what was your journey through crypto and DeFi to heading up uh, Thales? Sure. So, yeah, like many people, um, I was really interested in crypto in 2017. Uh, kind of was part of the the, the people participating in um, some of these ICOs. Um, and that's when I kind of, uh, yeah, got initiated with crypto. And then in 2018 and 2019, I uh, just tried to keep my ear to the ground and, and look for uh, new projects that, that were potentially promising. Um, Fortunately, stumbled into synthetics in probably May or June of 2019, and just got really interested in the, the whole concept of, um, yeah, using financial applications on Ethereum. Uh, I think that around 2017, 2018, there was still quite a bit of idealism about, um, you know, what what a good use case for blockchain would be. But yeah, then when you know, probably 2019. Uh, started using synthetics and, and getting involved with the CUNY, um, it was just very clear that uh, financial applications on Ethereum are going to be, yeah, they're going to be huge. So got really involved with um, just the synthetics community, just working through different problems. Um, you know, there, there was some really big hacks and, you know, kind of being part of the resiliency of, of, of that community and, um, yeah, working closely with everyone to, to find ways for, for how to stabilize the peg, for example. Um, there's always there's challenges that just seemed really fun to work on. So yeah, uh, thankfully, um, the synthetics community was nice enough to have me as a, as a community member. Um, and yeah, sort of uh, got really involved with synthetics um, just as a community member and then eventually, yeah, kind of helped out. So yeah, that's hopefully it's a good start. With, with Thales, you were tapped by the synthetics community uh, to head up this project, correct? Right. So in probably June or July of 2020, these binary options had rolled out. And there was, there was some interest, there was a bunch of interest in these, uh, in these products, um, but there are also some drawbacks. And so, yeah, the synthetics core contributors uh, decided to shift their focus to, to kind of futures and uh, L2. And so they started to look for a team to take on the binary options. And so I think that was in like October um, when there was a blog post that was put out uh, seeking an external team. So yeah, I uh, kind of put together a, a, a pitch and an application um, and ran it by uh, yeah Jordan and um, some of the core contributors at Synthetics. Um, and was really fortunate to um, yeah get some get get the opportunity to 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 run this project so yeah it's been a blast so far yeah, great and so just the audience and just to put some base foundation down can you explain what binary options are and 
how can binary options benefit uh, protocols like synthetics? Sure. So essentially, uh, a binary option on Bitcoin, for example. So like Bitcoin uh, would be the the target asset. So suppose this contract expires on the fifth of August, so next Friday. Um, you know, so uh, like BTC at 48K, so like we could use 48K as a strike price. If Bitcoin is above 48,000, then the yes, the yes uh, token holders or the long token holders will win the pot. If Bitcoin is under 48K, um, then the other side of the market wins. So yeah, it, it's a, uh, people uh, can essentially deposit a CSD and start a market. Um, and then people kind of compete on, on where the, the price will go. So that's sort of the uh, yeah the basic uh, structure of a binary option. Yeah, and I, I feel like on, on the surface, when you explain binary options, it, it, it does seem pretty simple. And, and binary options is kind of a term that, that seems more complicated than it can be. But I, I think there's ways where you can kind of go down the rabbit hole and get uh, pretty complex with hedging strategies and how to utilize binary options as well. But uh, anyway, in your example, when you talked about the BTC price, when the BTC price is, you know, when it's at the expiry date and it is either above or below, how is the Thales protocol determining that? Is it uh, through a chain link oracle? Yeah, exactly right, CryptoTexan. Um, yeah, when... Uh... Once the, the, the market has expired, anyone can um, yeah, call a function and uh, the Oracle price will be retrieved and the market will be resolved one way or another. Okay, and currently on your platform, I know y'all just launched too, which is very exciting and I, I'm sure your entire community is really excited about it. Uh, you also have binary options on the Olympics currently as if, you know, will the United States win X amount of medals uh, gold medals, uh, yes or no? How? What kind of feed is Chainlink using to retrieve those types of binary option data? Our uh, the Daily team was really excited to um, be able to to roll out these Olympic markets, uh, coinciding with the MVP launch. Um, and and thankfully, yeah, we had some really great uh, data partners over at um, Chainlink, and so my. Uh, Brilliant co-founder Daniel um, has been just really uh, super diligent and, and and working his tail off to make sure that these uh, Olympic markets could go live. So, um, yeah, I think we we're actually still we we're still trialing some of the, the test data feeds, like just even late last week. So there was a really quick turnaround um, in order to to get the the data to the. Um, Daily smart contracts, but yeah, the generally the, the binary options contracts are, are really well suited to uh, resolve these kinds of markets. So, um, you know, the the MVP uh, with Olympic markets is definitely, um, you know, a a, a very uh, preliminary kind of product. But you know, moving forward, we'd uh, we'd love to scale and get a lot more uh, sports data, and um, yeah, be able to to resolve some of these markets. Yeah, and I, I, I'm kind of wondering, like, that's that's very much, you know, yes or no, they did win so many medals, they didn't. Bitcoin's price is 48000 It's either above it or below it, uh, which is binary. But is there any way you can make subjective results on a binary bet? So my take is that, um, is that you don't really want to use binary options contracts for subjective outcomes um, because then there's ambiguity, right? 
And then, if, if like if the outcome is is subjective, then I mean, multiple people could say at at the market time, um, you know that. Well, no, my side is right. I should get to win the pot. So I think keeping markets to have very, very, very clear uh, criteria of of how one side could win or lose um, is important for for building trust. Um, you know that that there's not going to be ambiguity. There's not going to be you know, a risk of your funds being stuck in a contract for six months or something. So, yeah, I mean, and, and it, it, I guess sometimes it can sound straightforward, but even something like, you know, the, the U.S. presidential election in this most recent most recent presidential race, um, you know, there, there was a lot, there was like some contention around like who had won. And so, yeah, we don't want to have, so it's like there, there can be nuances that, that arise that maybe don't seem obvious at the outset. And so, yeah, the more clear-cut uh, the outcomes can be, I think yeah. the better off uh, Thales will be as a platform and, and the better off the users will be. Yeah, that, yeah, I could, because, yeah, that went to court. And so it's almost like the result, while it was definite and determined, it, it drug out for a very long time. So I can kind of foresee some issues with that. But if there is any conflicts as to who does win or who does lose, is there a, is there something in place to manage those conflicts or just kind of settle those sure so so just to be clear like right now the only uh, the only supported markets are are on crypto price seeds and uh and these olympic data feeds and we think that there are really clear yes no answers um i think kind of moving forward we'll we'll probably try to stick with outcomes that are as objective as possible where there's um, yeah, not much room for, for dispute about what the actual outcome is. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, we have kind of, or a bunch of community members have, have, um, expressed an interest in seeing the, the Thales council resolve, uh, certain markets manually if there wasn't a, a clear data, um, feed, but that also kind of introduces trust and, and maybe more ambiguity than is really helpful for, for kind of a project that's uh, still young and very growing. So, um, yeah, trying to stick with very clear outcomes uh, where where people have plenty of advanced awareness that, you know, if the if Bitcoin's at 50K, then, you know, the, the longs will win on, on a 48K market. Um, yeah, otherwise I think that, that there can... Yeah, just kind of introduce a lot of complexity that might not be uh, very high return or very productive. Mm. And when the Thales community decides which binary options to put from a cryptocurrency price feed situation, which ones to put on the platform, is there a liquidity target you look at? Because I, I feel like with some very low market cap tokens, I, there could be some price manipulation by whales that could alter the, the price at the expiry date. Um, are, I guess, what kind of restrictions do you have on, on what is picked to go on the protocol or, or the UI? Sure. So right now, the, uh, the supported price feeds are anything that is supported on synthetics. And so, yeah, the, uh, but, but basically for any any supported price feed, um, anybody can create a market. So there's no, there's, we try to limit the amount of restrictions and, and make it so that anybody can be a market creator. Yeah. And we also really want to encourage people to create markets because, you know, if you, if you create a market and, you know, for this 
like Bitcoin at 48K in, you know, maybe two weeks. If people come in and, and mint options into your pool, like you'll basically get uh, revenue from doing that. So as a market creator, you kind of have a, an incentive to, to pick pools that you think will be popular. Um, because yeah, you can you can earn a, a, a fraction of the total uh, pool volume. So yeah, in terms of liquidity, um, you know, Thales is is kind of a we're kind of just focused on 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 the Thales side of things. So you know, I, it definitely is a a, a lot of um, there are a lot of different things that that you know very savvy market participants might might want to engage in. Um, but yeah, from from our perspective. You know, we, we want to have these products available for anyone to use. And yeah, we don't put too much stipulations on uh, on how people should use them. Okay. And so you are closely tied to synthetics, obviously. And you recently raised, I, I think, one or, or $2.5 million from synthetics. What was that raise process like? And how do you see the relationship between Thales and synthetics? How is that relationship going to be maintained going forward, or what's it going to look like? Sure. Yeah. So, so just to be clear, um, the uh, yeah, the synthetics was kind of the the seed round or pre seed round investor, you could call it. Um, and so, yeah, that was probably in March that synthetics, like, uh, yeah, provided the project with some initial seed funding. Um, the most recent round was uh, to sort of get a bunch of like angels and and. Um, kind of people who are, are going to be keen to um, help the project grow. Uh, so yeah, kind of took a, a, an arms wide open approach and, and, and got a lot of really uh, strong supporters on board. Um, so we think that that'll definitely catalyze growth for us. Um, but yeah, as far as like synthetics, being part of the synthetics ecosystem, um, I think it's huge, right? Uh, I, I've been staking for, for several years and um, yeah, I really want to see synthetics as a platform grow and thrive. And so Thales in a lot of ways is another way for the SUSD to have additional additional functionality, right? Um, and it's another place that people can put their SUSD to work or, or, or have fun too. You know, we definitely Thales is a is a platform that yeah, we're we're hoping is is a net uh, a net value add for, for the rest of the synthetics ecosystem. Um, and yeah, really excited to kind of maintain uh, long-term synergies with the uh, synthetics community. Okay. And something else I want to touch on is, you know, with Uniswap, you know, on their interface saying, you know, we're no longer going to support certain synthetic type of assets on synthetics. I know this isn't exactly related to Thales, but I'm just curious, like, do, do you have an opinion on that? Or what are your thoughts on that whole situation that's been going on with with uniswap and those synthetic assets sure so i guess like my first my first impression was that they that the SUSD is still available um so you know like and that's arguably uh one of the more actively traded products and, and one of the more popular since that exists um so i was kind of i was a little surprised that, that the SUSD stuck around but that said i mean the the official uh, Uniswap front end that is supported by the Uniswap Labs team is just one one front end. Um, you know this is code that's that's already live on on Ethereum, so you can still go to another uh, Uniswap interface and it access the exact same functionality. So I think that yeah, from a user perspective, it's not a huge deal breaker. 
And then I guess another point is that the people who are, are providing synth liquidity on Uniswap, that's not necessarily benefiting the SNX stakers. So, I mean, like the SNX stakers get uh, earn revenue or earn a fee when someone trades from a synth into another synth. So, <clears throat> so you know, like if someone does like an SUSD to ETH trade and they and they go through Uniswap, like that that, that actually isn't like super beneficial for for Quintus stakers or synthetic stakers rather. Um, but yeah, I, I think that you know, as as the as DeFi grows and as more eyeballs are, are put onto the space, that uh, yeah, I, I I think that we'll probably see additional measures by 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 maybe some DeFi teams, right? To um, to yes, to sort of integrate with with the centralized world a little bit. Um, but that said, I mean, the functionality is is still all there. Um, even though it's not like directly supported by the Uniswap Labs team. Yeah, I just, you know, you've been involved with synthetics for so long. I just thought it would be interesting to get your take on the process. And I, I think you're right. I mean, you can still go on one inch and make those trades or, you know, I, I'm sure QuickSwap on Polygon, uh, I can use that as well to make those trades if I wanted to. But I, I didn't really think about how trading those synthetic assets on Uniswap doesn't necessarily benefit the synthetics uh, stakers. So that's interesting to, to keep in mind also. Um, and so next question is with the close ties to synthetics that Thales has, um, I feel like a lot of protocols when they're trying to get uh, up off of the ground and build a community, it can be kind of difficult to do that. But I think Thales kind of had the benefit of inheriting some of the synthetics community as well to bootstrap this community for Thales. I just want to get what what's your feeling or what's the process like for a new protocol to bootstrap and build a new community? And have you felt like you've been fortunate in having that close relationship with synthetics? Totally crypto Jackson. Um I think I think it's huge, right? Uh, all these protocols are yeah, they're they're like people interacting with other people through software. And so to have a, a, a community that's already really well plugged in, um, and many of the people who are in the Thales community right now have, have actually been thinking about binary options uh, for a couple of years. So I know I know for myself, I still consider myself part of the synthetics community. So, um, you know, like very strongly. So like to, to carry over and, and see a bunch of familiar faces and in, in the in the Thales Discord from from the Synthetics Discord is is definitely special, you know. And I and I think that with code, uh, a lot of times you know, code can be forked, right? But you can't fork a community, right? Um, yeah, that that makes sense. So there are other binary option protocols, or there have been in the past. Omen, Polymarket, Augur. How is what Thales is building, how does that set it apart from similar protocols in the space? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, uh, it definitely varies on a case-by-case on a -case basis. The, some of the big differentiators are that uh, Thales is totally permissionless and non-custodial. So, you know, nobody on the Thales team uh, will ever touch user funds. That's like a, something that we think is really important um, based on you know the history of crypto of people putting funds to an exchange and then you know there's an exchange hack or then there's uh, a new rule that comes out that you can only withdraw a certain amount of 
funds from the platform. <clears throat> to take just a couple examples, so so dailies is is totally non-custodial, um, and and we think that's really important for for user security. And then yeah, so we'll be trying to bring a really great user experience, and uh, yeah, really focus on on the current user needs and and meeting those needs. And so yeah, we think by just by knowing our customers better um, and knowing knowing the users better. Uh, that we can definitely build a competitive advantage. Yeah, I feel like community is is one of the biggest ways that a, a protocol can set itself apart from other protocols who do similar things. Uh, and do you have any opinions on what makes a long-lasting community? Because you can bootstrap people at the beginning and get them excited, especially if there's you know a, an airdrop coming or liquidity mining that's that's happening. But once those programs start to fade away or, or have been implemented, how do you see, do, do you see any ways or have any advice for protocols that are starting up on how to form a long lasting community like Synthetics has done? Sure. I think that, uh, that, that sort of having some, some of the principles around, around decentralization uh, seem to have attracted like just a, a lot of really, really sharp and, and long-term oriented people. So I think it was just kind of like having that culture that, you know, a, a censorship resistant permissionless platform is, is something that that's worth having in the, in the DeFi community. Um, and yeah, that, that mission, I think kind of galvanized a lot of, a lot of people together, uh, and, and continues to do so. Right. I think that anytime you're, you're, you're like in, in sort of a leadership role and, and thinking about a larger community is that, um, you know, a lot of people are very talented and, and very skilled and they can do things on their own. Um, they have a lot of other competing uh, obligations and, and competing challenges that that are that are, you know, competing for time. Right. So so in order to kind of like get people to, to not only uh, not only like walk in the door, but but stick around and stay a while. Um, yeah, I think I think it really helps to have like kind of a sense of mission, and feel that you're part of something bigger than yourself. Um, I think that's something that is it's kind of intangible. Um, but yeah, I think that and and you know making it, but like having a, having a place where where people enjoy hanging out, uh, I think is also pretty big. So like the synthetics Discord over the past couple of years has just been a place where people have a lot of great conversations on on a lot of different topics too. So. Yeah, I think that trying to make, trying to keep the the Discord a, a, a fun place to hang out uh, can help, and then yeah, sort of a, a sense of mission that that can galvanize people and um, yeah, kind of keep some attention for the long term. Yeah, I I agree there, and also I feel like just having a token and having people hold that token in their wallet also gives them a sense of belonging to that community as well. And on that subject. When is the token launch for uh, Thales uh, going to be implemented, and, and what's your strategy for token distribution? Yeah, sure. When token? Um, yeah. So, so basically, <laughs> yeah, it's it's totally fair to expect um, that the token will be live in the next two to three months, uh, and that's sort of the, the the most I'm allowed to say on that. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, um, there there you know. A big part of the um, idea for for those tokens is that um, yeah we want to incentivize 
the people who have, have been around synthetics for a really long time um, and also who continue to participate in synthetics. So, yeah, a really significant part of the the total tokens will be going to people based on their SNX staking behavior. Um, so, yeah, we're really excited to yeah distribute tokens and then and then you know I think that that having uh, governance powers to vote in members of the Thales Council is a great use for the tokens, but then also as a protocol matures, we'd like to use the, the uh, uh, stake tokens as a way to, um, yeah, basically participate in this on-chain business model. So fees that are, that are generated by usage of the protocol will be uh, aggregated into a fee pool, and then uh, people that are staking the Thales token will have a claim on the funds in the fee pool. Okay, so is that similar to the the X sushi token in a way? Um, yeah, I, th- I I think it is uh, a similar concept. Yep. Okay. <clears throat> and and staying on the subject of of the token, um, how is governance going to be structured within the the Thales community? I know that Synthetics has the Spartan Council, and I think you said Thales Council earlier. So are you thinking a similar setup? Yeah. So uh, we're actually really happy, Crypto Texan, that. Um, just in time for the launch of the protocol um, yesterday, the first Thales Council has been elected in. So, yeah, basically the, the, the Thales Council uh, is made up of four people, um, four members. So right now it's uh, Formwell, uh, myself, D-Monkey, who's also a Thales Core contributor. And then there's Giannis from Synthetics, uh, Synthetics Core contributor. And then uh, John Luke. Who's uh, one of one of Thales earliest supporters, and um, he also earned a spot on on the Thales Council. So, essentially, the way that um, the Thales Council has operated so far, and that will probably continue to operate, is that that members of the Thales Council can propose CIPs or Thales improvement proposals, and and really anybody in the community can propose a, a Thales improvement proposal. If or and then you know uh, once there's kind of some dialogue around what the proposal is, then it can be formalized as a, a TIP. And then, yeah, if the Thales Core contributors think it's really a good idea and can be implemented, the Thales Council will vote on that TIP. And then if there's approval for the TIP, then the Thales Core contributors can uh, go about implementing. Okay, so is, is it a sense the token holders can do a snapshot on if the proposal should go to the Thales Council? So the, the token holders, the so for the first election, SNX token holders voted in the Thales Council. And then the Thales Council um, actually votes on, on uh, proposals themselves. Okay. And let's go to what, what does the treasury makeup look like right now for Thales? I'm assuming it's, ju- it's just a bunch of SNX? So... Um, so yeah, it's, there's, there's some SNX in there, um, from, from the support from Synthetic Style. So when, uh, yeah, basically when the project got seed funding, um, from Synthetic Style, uh, that was all on SNX. But yeah, I mean, like most, most of the personnel on the Thales team, um, had expenses in, uh, Fiat. And so, yeah, we hold a fair bit of stable coins. And, and yeah, we, we do a little bit of lending with those um, just so that they're not totally idle. And then we have some, we have some ETH too, uh, to kind of ensure 
uh, ecosystem, ecosystem alignment um, with the rest of the Ethereum community. And yeah, we actually just uh, seeded a, a ZRX pool. So yeah, we made a, a treasury allocation for um, some ZRX and then um, yeah, we're using the ZRX for a ZRX staking pool, uh, which can help the protocol um, yeah, basically capture some fees. Okay, good. Yeah, that goes into one of my other questions, which is um, what is the situation with Ailey's getting a grant from the 0x DAO, and how does that fit in with Thales is hoping to accomplish? Yeah, awesome. Uh, so essentially, um, uh, the 0x DAO and, and the 0x Labs teams um, have both been amazing in, in helping Thales get to where it is right now. Thales has implemented 0x order books. Um, so that's kind of the the 0x infrastructure is really critical for, for the protocol to run. And so essentially anybody who like like uh, participates on a on a Thales order book will pay a protocol fee to to the, the 0x protocol. So the idea is that <clears throat> with this grant from 0x style the Thales DAO can have a much more robust uh, staking pool. And so, you know, how much ETH is collected by the staking pool is determined by uh, two things. So the first thing is how many ZRX are staked in the pool. And then the second is how much activity is generated by that, by that staker. So yeah, we're obviously we want to get as much volume as possible routed through some of these ZRX order books. And uh, yeah, the Xerox DAO grant um, really brings some some strong alignment uh, in that regard. And what was the total of that grant? So Xerox uh, sent the grant over in in Xerox native tokens, <clears throat> and um, and yeah, basically the first twenty uh, k will be was already sent over to the Thales DAO address, um, and then the rest of the grant will be distributed based on. Um, some KPIs. So basically, yeah, want to uh, kind of keep some alignment and and, and make sure that um, Thales is on pace to to kind of hit some goals uh, for the rest of the grant unlock. Okay, it's really interesting. So let's let's move over to L two. Does Thales have an L two strategy in place, or are you already working to implement that right now, or do you or do you even feel like an L two strategy is even necessary for? Uh, the type of protocol that Thales is trying to build. Sure. So yeah, definitely think that L2s uh, getting more dApps onto L2s is really big for user experience, just because transaction costs are real. And so in that regard, Thales will will um, will eventually uh, expand our systems onto Optimism. And so you know, Thales smart contracts take SCSD as the main uh, collateral for either starting a pool or, or minting options. And so Thales uh, has a bunch of has a significant strategic alignment with um, with synthetics in this regard. So when the synthetics that pool is on um, is on optimism, you know, it's, it's going to make a lot of sense for uh, the Thales systems to be on optimism as well. And that that's probably what I assumed is that you would adopt a similar strategy to what synthetics um, was doing and with, with all these l2s you know optimism arbitrum uh polygon always trade-offs of you know related to the scalability trilemma and curious for you 
which which of those three qualities of the scalability trilemma is most important to you and do you feel like optimism satisfies uh those or is does it satisfy it enough i guess yeah i think that um probably for about a year or two now uh scalability has definitely been challenging on eth and there's just so much demand to use ethereum and this shows in, in gas prices so I like I like on a on a as a project founder. I definitely think that that having uh, decentralization is is really critical because if decentralization is sacrificed too much, um, I think that there would be a risk of of kind of alienating certain people uh, in the community, and we don't want to do that. And so, yeah, I think decentralization is is really important. Um, and and honestly, with with optimism, I think that um, yeah that that it's. It's not, it's not as decentralized as L1, right? Um, but that said, uh, there's there's pretty pressing need to um, get some transaction costs down for people. And I think that, yeah, having those transaction costs, uh, you know, sometimes it's like 100x cheaper. Um, I think that'll be really critical for, for kind of seeing a, a more more additional J-curve growth in, in um, how many people are using Ethereum. I think this week is a is a pretty good example of it when you had the Stoner Cats NFTs dropping and you had about 13,000 NFTs being minted and you know, people trying to just raise the gas price just to make sure they got it to where mo- it, it made Ethereum unusable for most people for at least an hour and a half. So, I mean, yeah, there's definitely a need for these layer twos. It's just, you know, are retail users or users in general just willing to sacrifice those? trade-offs um and i i can see where and why decentralization uh is very important uh to you and daily because binary options i mean it's it's either yes or no and it doesn't uh require any i guess arbitration between users you know that, that's why it makes sense why you wouldn't have any subjective bets that you could make um because then it would have to go to a council which kind of gets rid of the decentralized aspect of the protocol. And that makes perfect sense to me, actually. Um, so crypto and DeFi, what would you say to people in the space now and just getting into the space? Like, What lessons have you learned that you wish you would have known three years, three or four years ago? I think that it's, it's good to find like-minded people who you can kind of navigate the waters with uh, because there's, there's so much out there, right? Um, and yeah, being able to bounce ideas and 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 like share information that you think is interesting um, and get other perspectives, I think is really really important. So kind of like yeah, like I guess find your tribe a little bit is one recommended one recommendation. Um, but I think that also kind of comes from you know knowing what your values are and and knowing what your values are. I think will help you uh, find your tribe. Um, and then secondly, I would just say that like try to find these these low uh, gas periods, or or even just go to and, and, and use DApps, right? Like try new stuff out. Um, and I think that you know, there's really no way to to learn as effectively as just like interacting with contracts and having to go to EtherScan or PolyScan and find out what went wrong. And um, yeah, that that whole process I think is really instrumental for the learning <clears throat> for the learning curve um, and I think that it can accelerate your learning like really fast to to do that because 
yeah, you'll you'll like figure stuff out. I feel um, just by interacting with contracts that people will be writing blogs about this stuff for a really long time, um, and like just by interacting with the contracts, you, you save yourself all this time from having to read blogs. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think getting in there and actually experiencing how the DApps work is the best way to learn because I, I you know, I I can read about Polygon or I can read about Thales, but until I actually bridge some assets from Ethereum to the Polygon network and then experience the low gas cost and then or when I actually make a, a, a binary bet on you know, long or short on BTC price, that's that's when you really start to learn how this all works and how it all ties together. So I, I absolutely uh, agree with you. Um, so another question is what's something in DeFi that you think more people should be paying attention to or what's catching your eye in the DeFi space or just the crypto space in general for that matter? So I guess like my, um, the two things that are really interesting to me right now are uh, Uniswap V3 and, and providing liquidity there. I think that's, it's been a, like Uniswap has, has been a, a cornerstone of DeFi. And so I'm definitely want to be uh, sort of attuned with, with what's happening on Uniswap um, in the V3 context. So I guess just like a little bit of background. There used to be um, an SETH and ETH pool on on Uniswap, and that was actually how Synthetics kept the peg. So it was like a bunch of people put SETH and ETH into this Uniswap pool, and that gave people confidence that one SUSD was actually worth one USD. Over time, like that, that turned out to be like a there's a lot of variation with the peg, and like for a really long time, like the Synthetics peg was like a it was a problem where, where like SUSD would be trading at like 84 cents on KuCoin for weeks at a time. <laughs> and so really that, that, that didn't get solved until like curve came along and, um, and like the curve liquidity pools are just insanely efficient. So, you know, there, and like right now the SUSD still keeps its bag because of curve. So I'm, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm really interested in, in, you know, how is Uniswap able to, uh, yeah, maybe be as capital efficient. Right now, it doesn't seem like there's a rush for SSD to, to migrate over to a, a Uniswap pool, but it's definitely something I think is interesting and, and worth paying attention to. And then the second thing is basically insurance. So uh, there's, there's a protocol called Risk Harbor that I've been looking into. And I think what they're doing is really cool because it's trying to get rid of some of the some of the ambiguities around insurance. It's like, you know, if a protocol fails, the user gets a payout, which I kind of appreciate that that straightforward and, and, and honesty. I think that some of some insurance platforms, there's been it's like, well, what do they cover? Right? Like it's like, yeah, you can buy insurance on, on protocol risk, but then maybe the most important risks that you want to insure against aren't actually covered by the underwriter. So I think that the, the model that, that Risk Harbor is working on is is uh is pretty interesting. And I think generally that yeah, some of these like insurance and reinsurance reinsurance instruments, yeah, will will probably continue to, to to get a little bit more uh usage just as more uh money comes into the system, there's more risk floating around. You know, insurance is just transferring risk around. So I think that there's definitely gonna be people who want to transfer around the risk. And so I think that, yeah, insurance will have a, a place in all that. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you brought up reinsurance. Uh, I'm familiar with that term, but I don't think a lot of other people would be, uh, which is 
insurance for insurance protocols. So are there reinsurance protocols that you've seen out there? So crypto Texan, this is actually a, a concept that I'm uh, attempting to work on with with uh, at least one of the the angels who's, who's supported uh, Thales is that <clears throat> so basically like suppose I'm, a, I'm an insurance underwriter on on Risk Harbor and you know I'm uh, let's suppose I'm I'm uh, an underwriter for the Barnbridge Pool and so as a as an underwriter like the it's a great it's a great outcome if nothing happens to the, the underlying protocol and then I just like collect these premiums at the end of like a certain block, you know, there's been no protocol hack and I get to walk away just having collected some premiums. The the bear case is that as an underwriter, I have to make some payout, right? Like there actually is a hack. And so as, a, as an underwriter, like maybe I want to not have all of the risk of making that payout when, when there actually is a, a payout event. And so <clears throat> one idea I've had is that if I'm underwriting for Barnbridge, that um, that basically I would want to own some short binary option tokens on the Barnbridge price, because presumably if there's a uh, if there's a situation where Barnbridge gets hacked and I have to make a payout as an underwriter, then I won't have to I won't have to pay out as much because because you know, hopefully this this uh, short binary option could expire in the money, and so. Yeah, there's still some analytical work around around the economic feasibility there, but I think that it it's uh it's definitely a potential use case for for making the the insurers live a little bit easier. Yeah, I could see how insurance protocols would also benefit Thales because if you do enter into a binary option contract that say expires in a year or the or the the decision for the contract won't be made in a year, it, it might be a good idea to get some smart contract uh, risk insurance on top of that. Makes sense. That seems like a nice little compliment uh, to the Thales protocol as well. Um, and speaking of Thales, another question that we have is who is Thales? Like not the protocol, but, and, and why was that name chosen for this uh, project? Sure, yeah. So Thales is a, uh, a pre-Socratic, uh, Greek thinker, um, and yeah, essentially, uh, so there's, uh, Aristotle wrote about Thales, and in one of Aristotle's writings, he says that, you know, yeah, there's this guy, Thales of Miletius, and, you know, one, Thales became really famous, because <laughs> he was this, like, guy who was doing, uh, geometry and, and astronomy, and just sort of studying natural phenomena, and, um, and yeah, and apparently, according to Aristotle, like someone like basically came up to Thales and was like, uh, "Sir, you know, if you're if you're so intelligent and you have all this intellectual firepower, um, then then why haven't you? Uh, why do you live this this impoverished life?" And so, as the story goes, Thales took this as a challenge and basically said, "All right, like I'll uh, I'll figure out how to how to earn some money uh, and 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 kind of show this this challenger to be wrong." And so what Thales did was he basically deduced that he thought there was going to be a, a really lush harvest of, of olives in the, in the coming harvest season. And so during the winter, he like raised a little bit of money and, and went to all the olive press owners and, and bought the rights to use these olive presses. And so like eight months rolled around, 
and there's this huge uh, harvest of olives and everyone, you know, wanted to make their olives in olive oil. And so they needed to use these olive presses. And so, yeah, they always, uh, the individual basically rented these, these olive presses out at, at significantly higher prices than, um, than he had paid to use them. So, yeah, so he had the, he had the, the right, but not the obligation with these olive presses. And so, yeah, Thales is kind of considered the, uh, the first person to exercise an, an options contract. Cause yeah, he, he bought all these olive presses and then yeah, he had the rights to sell it later. So I can see how that's a perfectly fitting name, for this protocol. And I did not know that story. That was actually my question that I wanted to know. So, uh, thanks for sharing. Uh, so we'll move the conversation over to the index co-op for a little bit. So the index co-op, we, uh, try to make DeFi investing simple by creating indices for individuals to invest in, like the DeFi Pulse Index, Metaverse Index, uh, the Bed Index, which has been all over Twitter uh, lately. Uh, but we also have coming out the Data Economy Index, to include like Chainlink and Graph Protocol. What is index that you would be interested in seeing uh, the index co-op? together if you have one or if you have an idea sure i would say so this is like a, a really great um topic because because synthetics did uh yeah i mean other i think index products as a, as a whole are, are uh, really attractive for investors and yeah i think that that for DeFi um definitely have not been exhausted uh even in the slightest so yeah maybe like a a a DPI for like like a, a DeFi or I'm sorry a, a DeFi index, but but maybe for small caps. Small cap DeFi index, yeah, that that makes sense. I, yeah, the only and we've thought about that as well. The only issue we run into on that is uh, the low cap nature when we're trying to rebalance on dexes. We don't want to influence the price or or. Um, I mean, we we do in a sense, but I, I think that's the dex liquidity is an issue that we run into. On that, but we're we're definitely looking into that in, in other ways to do it, um, and kind of touching back on way back on when we were talking about the treasury uh, for Thales. I think that's another thing we're trying to do is you know let protocols know that this is another good way for you to diversify your treasury. Is you know in these products we're coming out with pay, which is a basket of stable coins that have different investment strategies and yield opportunities related to those. So, mm -hmm. and just like you said, y'all are loaning out some of the stable coins that y'all have, um, gain some yield. So they're not just sitting there. Uh, do y'all have any other investment diversification strategies for release? I mean, obviously you'll hold your native token for incentives, I would assume, but what other strategies do y'all have for that? Yeah, I think that um, that you know, since since uh, most of our expenses are in stablecoins, that um, you know, it's 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 pretty important to to, to have a lot of stablecoins, uh, sort of yeah, just ready to go. Um, but yeah, I think like taking advantage of lending is is really important, uh, especially you know, like on Gnosis, you can you can basically do it in like two or three clicks, right? <laughs> like it's. It's it's wonderfully easy to get, uh, yeah, non-trivial um, rates of return. Like, it, you know, the the yield that you get on on lending out a stablecoin, 
it's not going to be crazy, but like with Abe, for example. But I mean, it's 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 definitely preferable to uh, yeah, just letting funds stay idle. So I would say that like generally, um, you know, I think I think we all love crypto, but we try to keep our more um, ambitious and adventurous ideas for 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 capital strategies, like just to do on you know personal accounts and stuff like this. Uh, with with the treasury, we keep it pretty conservative, and yeah, so like a little bit of lending. Um, some ETH for, for ecosystem alignment and then uh, some SNX for ecosystem alignment. Yeah, and I love the ETH for ecosystem alignment. I feel like that's very important and I think more protocols should do the same. And yeah, I've been in the space since 2017, Farmwell and you know, the ICO boom, it was what it was, but it's there's still so much innovation that goes on in this space daily. And there's days where I'm on Twitter where I sit there and I think I, there's no way I can catch up and stay in, you know, figure out what's going on all the time in the space. I think that's what really draws people in is just once you dig down into it and you see how smart the people are uh, that are working on all of these projects, um, that's what keeps people around and keeps them interested uh, in my mind. So kind of running up on time, but what what on the roadmap for Thales uh, gets you most excited? So I'm a, I kind of have like a, yeah, sort of like an economic outlook and, and um, I'm always thinking about like, you know, cost benefits and things like this. So I think that uh, being on, on optimism and, and getting that like 50x, 100x reduction in, in cost to use Ethereum, I think that's going to be, yeah, just huge. So really looking forward to, uh, to that. And I think, um, yeah, I think it, it'll make Thales uh, a lot more exciting to, to use. Yeah, the layer two is definitely the most exciting thing for me as well. Um, and just when the next boom does happen, uh, it'd be great to just throw all of our retail, you know, newcomers onto those platforms, um, so they're not in around and buying smart chain all the time. Um, mm-hmm. So before we run out on time, is there anything else you want to touch on uh, before we let you go? Uh, Crypto Texan, this has been a, a really enjoyable chat for me. Um, I'm so thankful that that you reached out and, and welcomed me. And uh, yeah, just really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. And we're excited to see the protocol uh, protocol grow. Uh, where can people go to find out more about you, Farmwell, and the Thales Protocol? Yeah, sure. So I'm uh, I'm on Twitter as, uh, as Farmwell123. Um, and then our app is, is live at dailies.market. Uh, so definitely, definitely check it out. Um, and let us know what you think. Dailies is a, is a team that really thinks feedback is, is important and valuable. Every piece of feedback that people have, um, you know, our ears are open. So we'll, um, yeah, we'll be in the, in the discord, uh, you know, so join the community, um, stay high, uh, yeah. And um, probably to, to, to find anybody uh, from the daily team is in the Discord. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here with us today, Farmwell. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks to everyone who's listening live. Uh, this is being recorded, so we'll update or we'll upload it uh, probably in about a week. Uh, again, thanks for being here, Farmwell, and we'll see everyone next week. Thank you. Thank you, sir.